Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome to a very special episode of Caustic Content. Uh, boy, have we had an interesting couple of weeks. So if you've been following along with the show, you know that at the end of each episode, we sort of announce what we're doing next, uh, you know, what, what the next episode's going to be. So if you want to follow along, then that's an option for you. And for the first time, we had to kind of call an audible because a movie disappeared. So originally, Adam Myros was going to uh, use the movie Challenge of Faith, a, a film directed by one Stephen Grew. But then, for some reason, Challenge of Faith decided to just up and disappear on us. Uh, and, and so we had to make a few adjustments. And we tried to record another episode that was faith-based-centric, and through the power of Jesus, it was destroyed, eaten up by the audio gremlins. And so, Myros, oh. here we are today. I think we uh, we have a, a clear delineation here where the last episode you spent trying to uh, paint me as some sort of villain yeah. for replacing uh, Challenger Faith uh, at the last minute, uh, even though this was beyond my control. Uh, but in reality, it is you who is the villain. Uh, <laughs> you, you ruined the entire episode. Uh, y- your recording was faulty, and yep. we had to throw uh, a pretty darn good episode in the trash. The world will never know about Robert Mayonnaise. Yeah, they, they, they won't know about Robert Mayonnaise, which tr- it's, it's really a shame. And no, you can't really Google Robert Mayonnaise. I don't think you're going to find what you're looking for. But... What we've decided to do to sort of remedy this situation is challenge a faith magically, uh, I believe through divine intervention, pop back up on Amazon Prime. So, because I accidentally had another Stephen Grew movie on my list, and one of our rules is for this podcast, once you use a director, you can't use that director again, we decided to do a head-to-head Grew-off, if you will. And so, that's what we're doing today. So, we are actually doing Challenge of Faith and another Stephen Grew joint called The Artifact. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess the audience won't be that lost considering we had announced Challenge of Faith previously. Yeah, uh, you're, you're halfway no there. Lost than, <laughs> just as lost as they would have been when we instead wheeled out whatever the fuck that movie was with the dinosaur bones and yeah christ that other jesus movie uh, right uh unfortunately this is not an especially jesus themed uh slate here i guess although i don't know your film does spend an awful lot of time decrying evolution casually it does and, and there's some there's some christian elements obviously to challenge the faith grew is weird because uh, steven grew the director I think he's a religious man, and he likes to sneak that in, but also he's he's very careful about not completely beating you over the head with religion, uh, but it's there, and it's weird, and it, it feels out of place, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get into uh, that. I think I think we should, he, we should probably talk about Challenge of Faith first, too, don't you think, Myros? 
We could do that. Um, we should probably run through a couple things. Although I almost, I have a suggestion for this episode that you may uh, toss out offhand. But uh, considering all the the flotsam and jetsam regarding this episode, I would just assume that we we kind of askew, uh, you know, the versus format. This is more of a celebration of Gru to me, and, <laughs> and all things considered, this is. Uh, an episode, I, I don't know that I want to make it a head-to-head challenge. I'll, I will concede right at the front that your film would easily win such a head-to-head challenge. But I think <laughs> considering all that has happened to lead to this particular episode of the podcast and the fact that we're we're doing a, a grew-off and, and including a film that by all rights should, should be barred from competition, I, I think we should probably just kind of – Lay off the rules just this once. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so normally our rules are um, you you can't use the same director more than once, okay? Uh, and we do no found footage, which also one of these Gru movies kind of excuse as well in a weird way. We'll, we'll get <laughs> yeah, into that. Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's kind of bizarre. Uh, so, I mean, right off the bat, we're breaking two rules. Uh, what else? What else am I missing here? Well, uh, we have. Well, we have not broken a rule about using what the streaming service provides. Yeah, because, sure. Uh, otherwise, we would have perhaps tried to squeeze Grew in earlier uh, by finding some ulterior motives. Although that proves difficult as well. Grew is is not an easy man to find on the internet, uh, as far as full length features. You you can't torrent them in. No one has found out about Gru just yet. Mm-hmm. Although I think that we will discuss something that may be changing that real quickly. Yeah. Uh beyond that, Gru is not from Georgia, so we're good on that front. Sure. And neither of us had ever seen either of these these Gru films. So I think we're in the clear. All right. Well I, I agree with you. I think I think we should kind of Throw out our, our usual head-to-head format just for this episode, just because it's been so hard to get this one done and together, and you know, it, it, it just it just wouldn't make sense. So I'm with you. We're not going to do the head-to-head on this one, which is really saying something too, because if we did do head-to-head, mine would demolish you, absolutely crush your film. My film would crush any film, almost. It's it's it is up there. It, it is. It qualifies as barely a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we talk about my film, The Artifact, let's cho- let's talk about the Stephen Grew film that you chose, which is Challenge of Faith, uh, which I've been referring to as Crisis of Faith <laughs> for the past two weeks or whatever, uh, and I-, I probably will slip up and say that a few times, but Challenge of Faith, Myros... I think Crisis of Faith might be like a, a real movie. I mean, not a real movie, but like a, it's- a real christian movie yeah probably i'm sure it is if i was making a, a christian film I, I would probably go with that it makes sense uh challenge of faith i guess it also makes sense it, it is a, a movie that makes sense uh <laughs> is it is it really a movie that makes sense let's talk is. about that for a second it is uh let's start with the amazon description uh, this will tell us all we need to know. Jason Quinn is your average worker, but one day he's given the brass ring to be the next CEO of the company. Ooh. What he doesn't know is it's going to cost him more than his time, but his soul. Not the most artfully written uh, 
description. No, not not great, not great. So uh, basically, challenge of faith is uh, you're you're kind of Faustian bargain movie. Although (laughs) that's giving it a little bit of credit because normally with with the, the Faust scenario, the person doing the bargaining with the devil kind of knows what they're getting into about a certain level. And here we we don't really get that. So this movie, it, it feels like it was filmed by someone who like came from another planet and then someone on Earth told them about movies and then they flew home to their alien planet and tried to make a movie. It's really fucking weird. And no one in this film talks or behaves like a, a normal human being. This is basically like a Tim and Eric sketch, but feature length, and everyone is seriously trying hard here. Uh, what it reminded me of was uh, like shitty megachurch puts on some sort of garbage play that one of the uh, parishioners wrote or something. Mm. Like that that's the vibe I got from this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Everyone, that. Everyone there weren't actors. They just seemed like people who were sitting next to you at a church pew and uh yeah, they were having they were having a time. I I there's there's that much to this movie. It is literally it's just a Faustian bargain movie except again, the script doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The guy just takes a promotion. Why shouldn't he do that? Yeah. There, <laughs> this is very classic Stephen Grew too. We should talk about just how this kind of unfolds, and this opening scene in Challenge of Faith. I, I think it really it, it predates Grew's style a little bit, and, and kind of hints at what he would do later in The Artifact, where <laughs> the opening of this movie is just Stephen Grew, director, writer, producer, star driving his car to work and we get like the whole opening credits and we get his entire commute it's like the first 10 minutes of the movie are just steven grew in a fucking cadillac or whatever just trying to get to work and it just takes forever there's like no cuts at all and keep in mind this movie looks like absolute shit and i know we say that a lot but this is absolute shit in a different kind of way it's got that like low res digital vibe where it looks like it was shot on a motorola razor flip phone but also it it looks kind of dirty like everything has this vaseline smear to it i can't really explain what it is the only thing i could think of was you know how when you would play like nintendo 64 games like they have that just kind of like smudgy look to them that's what this looks like to me. The, the, the anti-aliasing? It's the, yeah. the film has been anti-aliased. <laughs> it looks like it's been anti-aliased. That's, that's what it looks like. It's kind of crazy. So uh, it, it just it's disgusting looking. But it basically it just rolls out and, and he's, he gets this office. He's a sub-office drone. And I guess they're trying to like build his character as like an everyman. So he's like, oh, look at me. Normal man having a normal conversation with my work buddy here at work. And they just have, like, the first conversation they have, presumably this is like 8 in the morning, 9 in the morning or whatever, is just like, hey, buddy, <laughs> let's talk about miscarriages. What? Oh, so your wife still had a miscarriage, huh? Yeah. It's like, How about Christ. that? What was that like? It's like, dude, why would I ever ask about that? That's not, you don't talk about that shit. 
Not at work. Not appropriate. H- nope, HR would get, appropriate. If you if you had that conversation in the optimism vaccine offices, our HR department would be all over you. I'll tell you that much. Uh, that that you don't have to worry about that. The HR department might have some things to say about my uh, usual uh, pattern of speech, but I I don't think <laughs> uh, they'll nail me for uh, bringing up uh, miscarriages. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not a it's not a common thing, and it's such a also, weird conversation too. It's just like, hey, how about that miscarriage? And then Stephen Grew's character is like, yeah, sure was miscarriagey. We're still bummed out. It is still a sad thing. And then the guy tries to like bring him up, and he's like, man, turn that miscarriage into a hit carriage or whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> like, it's just it's it's completely insane. Uh, yeah, I believe he, he pulls like a, a weird parent thing. It's like, uh, it's, it's as if he wants grandchildren. He's like, you guys gotta, you gotta get back in the saddle. Yeah, get back on that buck horse. It's like, oh, thanks, work friend. (laughs) Yeah. Let's never speak again. Yeah. If, if anybody talked to me like that in a, in a (laughs) fucking cubicle in some office where both just low level, where I would just, I would reach over the cubicle and just choke the life out of them immediately. There's no question. Plus, every conversation with this guy is just like a sack of shit. He's just like, oh, my life isn't too great. At least you have a, a lady friend and a miscarriage. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, He's oh, office shucks. drone Eeyore. <laughs> Completely worthless. Which which makes the twist of the film all the more strange. Oh, yeah. It's like, couldn't we have just hired like a different actor instead of making this act? And God, and Stephen Grew too. Whatever business he's in, and it's it's unclear. Something having to do with finance. I don't know. It's a fucking oversized shirt business. I oh man, this is this is classic. Like I think this is a trait of like narcissists and sociopaths, incapable of wearing dress clothes that fit. Like it, it blows my mind. You know, people are always like, "Oh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump." It's like, yeah, dude, he's he's fucking bonkers. He's got like syphilis brain. He's he does really dumb, terrible things all the time. But what I don't get is, you're a rich ass motherfucker who's clearly image obsessed, and you cannot find like a tailor suit that fits you. Like, he just wears these giant suits, so he looks like a big old fucking baby in a suit. And Stephen Grew. Writer, producer, director, does everything. Probably a little self-absorbed, I'm guessing, based on what Seems I've fair. seen. Yeah, Same yeah. thing. This is a Stephen Grew is, you know, he's probably a uh, a medium in the t-shirt department. Um, he's. Ooh, a, I think I'd put him at a small. Yeah. The guy is. He is. He's, he's not packing a lot of meat on those boats. No, he's diminutive. He's a very small, thin man, and. He's wearing a, a solid XL here, and this is not the fitted dress shirt either. This is the 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 boxy Coles model, you know. That's and the- let us let us not forget that it is also short sleeve. Oh yeah, which is a major faux pas. Don't ever ever wear a short sleeve white dress shirt. And then the the like triple wide tie too. Like it's nineteen seventy four. Jesus fuck. And pleated khakis. Yeah, and so. He just, I, I mean, he is from I, Utah, I, right? Because he looks like Utah. He is indeed. He's a Mormon from Utah. Uh, but he, so you could, this might be appropriate wardrobe for like 
down and out mailroom clerk. Sure. But then there's a whole segment of the film devoted to him, like, uh, going to buy tailored suits and uh, a new sports car. <laughs> which, which is, is amazing. Like a, a Pontiac Sunfire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was dying. Yeah. I'm like this is this is seriously like a potty like a '95 Sunfire. He's just like, yeah, I've got a oh, sports yeah. car now. Like, what? We <laughs> got everything you could have gotten. Uh, Utah doesn't have that uh, Lamborghini uh, rental shop that Neil Breen uses. Yeah. So he just like fucking found took his friend's four thousand dollar Pontiac Sunfire and was like, yep, fancy sports. This is this is what we're gonna do. I think it's a new suit. Well, and we should probably talk about how Stephen Grew's character gets this. So he starts off in the office, he's, and he's talking to his buddy about miscarriages, as one does in the office. And then he gets called up to the big boss's office. So, you know, uh, paralleling, sorry to bother you in a lot of ways, really, at this point. Uh. Sure, sure. <laughs> What's the? I mean, who calls him up to that foxy secretary? Oh yeah, he just leers at it. Yeah. The music is like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> the music rocks. It's just, <laughs> it's like free, like, uh, just you know, public domain samples mixed with. I I don't even know. It's like if it's a Mormon's interpretation of the Twin Peaks soundtrack. That's the only way I can put it. It is. It's got to be like public domain music, but instead of just playing the public domain music, he found a friend of his who could just barely play the Casio keyboard and had him uh, recreate the public domain music. Yeah, that's that's another good way of putting it. But it is it is strangely Twin Peaks esque in its use sure. <laughs> and yeah. sound. It's kind of weird. But he goes up to the office, and his boss. Who, by all accounts, he hasn't really interacted with much. He's like, you've been doing good work. Good, good stuff. I mean, look at you. You you breathe oxygen. You should be the president <laughs> of this company, bucko. And he's like, what about the vice president of the company? He's like, no, no. Not the right man for the job. We need you, mister. You, you know, you, you went to a college. That's good. <laughs> it's just... It's the most vague, ridiculous shit. He's like, I saw your college transcripts. That's a good one. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then so Gru's like, okay, if I'm your guy, sure. And then the boss says, great, as a goodwill gesture, I have given you $1 million. And then sexy secretary's like, yeah, um, look at my boobs. Except that you don't really see her boobs. She just is wearing like a vaguely low-cut shirt. Uh, and she's just like a. Well, it's Utah. I mean, she's Utah hot. Let's let's get real. She's just she seems like a pretty modest, normal lady. But yeah, pretty she's normal lady. To be this sex pot. It's it's incredible. Uh, and then you know, lo and behold, uh, Gru's life starts spiraling out of control after this. I just <laughs> all of these movies, I. I, I don't think I'm I'm right. I just think Gru looks tremendously older than he actually is. <laughs> oh, I have like, no idea how old he is. Like, if you right, were like, I'm oh, like, he's 25. This... Oh, he's 65. Okay, I believe you. I think he's uh, hovering around 40. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but like, yeah, again, he's been hovering around forty for like twenty years. He's got the Samuel right, L. Jackson thing, thing going. Yeah. How old is Samuel L. Jackson? I don't know, forty-five, eighty-five, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. So when we we go to his home life with his wife, who's like like nineteen years old. <laughs> yeah. It's like what's what's going on? Here? It's it's Stephen Grew's Mormon Child Bride, man. Uh, but again, this I, is 2006, I, so Gru is legitimately like in his 20s, sure, probably sure. at this point. He just looks it's just, old. You'd never know it. Yeah. You would never know it. Got, He's a man who never, for a second, looked like he was in his 20s. Oh yeah, no, there's there's definitely people like that out there. I always think about professional wrestler Arn Anderson, and if you're listening right now, definitely Google Arn Anderson. But that's a guy <laughs> who is like legit in his 70s right now, and he looks exactly the same as he did in the early 1980s. And he's just always, he's always been 40 years old. Like, his entire life he's been 40. You look at a picture of Arn Anderson at 22 years old, he is fucking 40. <laughs> like, there's, there's no other way to describe him. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand the Gru thing. And to Stephen Gru's credit with this film, there's a sentence I didn't think I would say. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be like this ridiculous rags to riches thing in the beginning and then it was going to be kind of like a moral tale about how you know money can't buy happiness and just because you're the bazillionaire president of the big company doesn't mean that things are going to be okay and you know but oh boy does it take a twist (laughs) did not see Uh, it coming (laughs) i the trailer gives away basically the entire movie, so I, which I is a shame. I didn't watch the trailer, but it's a shame that the trailer would give away this twist because it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> uh yeah. So I I w- would want to give Gru a little credit that it, it's less creepy that he casts this woman as his wife because he was inexplicably probably in his twenties, but it's still creepy that he casts this woman as his wife. <laughs> Yeah, because he's Stephen Crew, and he looks like some sort of weird elf man, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't need him to have like a a Mormon, uh, a blonde, uh, some sort of uh, eugenics type thing. I we we've got ourselves like some sort of Aryan uh, woman as his wife, and he looks like. A genetic cast off and uh, all in all I don't like it I don't like it one bit <laughs> that's fair uh, I-, I like the devil too in this so what What the big reveal is is yeah like uh, the-, the devil is manipulating this president man like the president and the vice president of the company and the secretary are all these like demon people and I guess the devil is in charge because of the new world order and finance and banks and, you know, usual stuff. It kind of goes into Neil Breen territory in that, where it gets, like, really super weirdly political. Uh, I guess? Uh, <laughs> but what the hell's the business? <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't actually. The business is vague. Again, this is, a, this is a, a Neil Breen thing. It's a Tommy Wiseau thing. What does Neil Breen do in all of his movies? I'm a hacker. I do hacky computer stuff. Because that's smart and cool. What does Tommy Wiseau do in in the room? Oh, I work for the bank. I am getting a bank promotion. <laughs> this is there's no really like real like insight, but but they still feel the need to talk about their job. Like their their job is a central part of their character, but also we don't know anything about it. 
What? I I just. I mean, there's never a point where he lampoons <laughs> the nature of the business. No, I feel like the movie's main complaint is uh, that that he has to work more than forty hours a week. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, Stephen Grew is he's here for the proletariat, man. Yeah, but he's making I don't know several million dollars a year. I think working sixty hours a week is fair. That seems reasonable. Yeah, if you pay, if you paid me millions of dollars, I'd, I'd probably have a busier work week and not complain that much. Yeah, prob- Or I'd just take the money and run after a year or so. Yeah, that would work oh, too. I'll do this. But you know, you put in that year of sixty-hour work weeks. You're, how long does he have this job? I no clue. Well, and yeah, time is. It seems like it seems like maybe two weeks. And his wife is like, "Oh my god, I'm leaving you. I don't see you every night." It's like, <laughs> okay, let's chill out here. Yeah, this is it, it's it's weird, and it should be like the devil character looks like Dustin Diamond, which fucking rocks. Totally the least intimidating devil I've ever seen. Uh, more like college, Saved by the Bell college years screech where he's, he's got a little more, you know, defined jawline or, you know, it's it's weird. It's weird that this guy is the devil. It's weird that these people are his satanic minions. It's weird that they need Stephen Grew's character to sign his soul away. I don't see what the value of Stephen Grew's soul is in this film. But no, yeah, you think they they could have just pulled this scheme with literally anyone in their employer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's there's no like special thing. I, I thought this was going to be like a Job thing. That, mm-hmm. That's the that that's the parable I thought we were going for here. Uh, you you want to break that one down for the for the listening audience? <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be like God and the devil. That's just the tale of Job, I suppose. Is that God and the devil make a bet over uh, this man's faith? He's a faithful servant of the Lord, and for whatever reason. Uh, the Bible depicts God as a, a gambling sort who uh, <laughs> who sees fit to heap endless travails on his most most faithful servant just to prove something to the devil. Uh, <laughs> now that's kind of a dick move. It, it's a very dick move. So that that's where I thought this was headed. I'm like, okay, he's gonna keep throwing hardship at him, and he'll be forced to overcome, and blah blah blah, and. No, it, it, they do this direct biblical parable that's just the most basic, like, I don't even know what's in the Bible thing. They just do an Adam and Eve thing. The devil just shows up to his house and is like, I, I'm not the devil, I'll show you who I am. And then he, he just transports uh, grew into the Garden of Eden. Uh, Which is weird. Also, another parallel here with uh, many <laughs> questionable but very self-absorbed directors, uh, a la Neil Breen. No boobies in, in Gru's sexual fantasies. I think he's a, he's a no-boob guy in his films. Well, that's – this is a – this is a, a Christian film. I don't expect – I wasn't like, where are the tits? <laughs> At least he's not doing like some Neil Breed stuff where he's like, I'm going to 
make every actress in this movie strip naked and awkwardly cover their tits and all that. <laughs> That's true. There's a little bit more artistry here than your average Neil Breen joint. Yeah, I, I think he's got a bit more of a uh, – it's that Mormon breeding. He's, he's probably, like, deathly afraid of tits. So. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That's fair. Um. Yeah, so we got a Garden of Eden thing because that's fucking – I guess that's what this movie's about. The The job is the forbidden fruit, uh, I guess. I'm not sure how or, or why, but again, the movie's not really about anything. It's just about – its moral is don't work more than 40 hours a week. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair, you know. It's a it's a good lesson. Like I said, I I tend to I I believe in that lesson. I I live it myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, nonetheless, it, it's kind of an odd way to frame a, a epic battle between uh, the Lord and Satan over your mortal soul. Yeah. Uh, what What are the stakes that you have to work fifty hours hey, in a week? You know what? It's it's real, man. It's bullshit. That's that's how they get you. You're working hourly. You're doing okay, and then they say, hey. You're getting a promotion. We're switching your salary. You're going to get, you know, a, a little bit more money. But then the twist is, oh, we don't have to pay you overtime anymore. Fuck you. You got to work 60 to 70 hours a week. That's how they get you, Myros. Right. That, that this, is, this is a legitimate concern yep. in, in modern America. I, having worked retail for many years, I uh, have, in fact, turned down such, a, such an offer in my day. And uh, one of our close friends... Did not turn down such an offer and uh, nearly drove himself insane for uh, like fucking $30,000 a year. So good on him. Yep. That's good. It's great. Awesome. All right, Myos. Well, I, I got to say with Challenge of Faith, this one, if if you're into the, the good, bad sort of movies out there, this is one worth checking out. I think Stephen Grew in general is an interesting guy that's worth looking into. Uh, this movie, it moves at a pretty brisk pace, which is amazing considering the next movie we're going to discuss. <laughs> and it's super weird. The acting's wooden. Everything feels really off and otherworldly. And it is it is an experience that I recommend having. Grab yourself a six pack and some friends, man. This is a it's a banger. Oh, uh, you should probably discuss the. The end there. <laughs> oh, 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 well, yeah, we can't we can't let everyone not know what happens to poor Stephen Grew. We'd leave him hanging. Yeah, I, I guess this is the best Faustian bargain of all time. So normally it's like, oh, your soul for this. And then you're just kind of fucked in the end. And then the lesson is, yeah, don't sell your soul for worldly riches. In this case, Stephen Grew was duped. And the devil's like, yeah, you, you already signed the contract, so you're fucked. Sorry. And then you think that there's just going to be like a no, and then it's over. But really, Stephen Grew goes to his office, and he says a prayer for like five seconds. And that's all it takes. And then a giant angel of light comes down and zaps the devil. <laughs> and then that's it. And then the, the Grew well. spell is broken. I, in reality, it is his his pal, uh, the miscarriage discusser, who morphs into a mighty angel. Yeah, that's true. 
in the Earth's worst wig and uh, some sort of like new metal contact lenses and then smites the devil. And then immediately resumes his post as a miserable office worker. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And what happens to Stephen Grew's character? Does he just continue to be the president? Does the company have no president? Does the company go under? Why doesn't he promote his friend, the angel man? Like, what? (laughs) Uh, I can safely say he does not remain the president. I don't know what becomes of him, but he... uh... (laughs) He does yeah. sell all of his things. He sells his uh, his Sunfire and uh, his mansion. So I I don't know if he returns to his job as file clerk. Uh, I would I think, guess. all things considered, if he if he knows that the company is in fact a front for Satan, then he might uh, seek other employment. Yeah, he, I mean, he probably should have noticed that when he was looking at like his employees' stock options, and he saw that they were listed on on the Dow Jones as uh, just H E L L. I think that's more of a Nasdaq. Uh, ticker oh yeah, line. that's more of a Nasdaq. I think Dow Jones is is three digits. Oh, that's right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> that shows you how much money I have. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I. I'm with you. If we're if we're going with curiosity or atrocity, this one, this is a curiosity. This is what I wanted it to be. This movie is fucking insane, but uh, the right kind of fucking insane. Oh yeah, it is a, a good time, and it's only seventy seven minutes long with like a good five six minutes of end credits. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. It's uh, so you could say this is barely a movie, but compared to his other movie, it is. Oh, oh boy, it's just as yeah. tight as a drum. Yeah, it's just barely a movie lengthwise, but as far as narrative, it, it's there. It's good enough. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, this is one. This is one to check out. Just uh, have some drinks handy. Uh, this would be one to enjoy. Hmm. All right. Well. This this that was a great movie, and our second movie, and this is like a whole subcategory of bad films that we've kind of stumbled on. This is, and I don't say these things. I I, I take this very seriously. I take bad movies very very seriously. This might be the new worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's. Uh, it's close. It's close. I I mean, right now, my number one worst thing that I've ever seen is uh, another movie that we watched for this podcast. It's called The Spy Who Boned Us. And that movie is incompetent. It's long. It thinks it's funny, but it's either mean or cringy and never funny. And everything about it is just wrong and terrible. Um, But to that film's credit... That film being The Spy Who Boned Us. Uh, That movie, things happen. Stuff happens. Doesn't always make sense. There's a lot of just narrative threads that go nowhere in that movie, but things are mostly happening in The Spy Who Boned Us. In the film that we're about to talk about, which I don't think we can really talk about it for more than like five fucking minutes. um, Oh, we could talk. (laughs) Steven Grew's The Artifact. Absolutely nothing happens. And I, I, I'm not exaggerating. This isn't hyperbole. Like, there there are... This is 
a very long movie. I want this is over ninety minutes, and I feel like it's it's over ninety minutes, but it was filmed in real time. It's actually it's eighty seven. I'm sorry, (laughs) it feels like nine hours, (laughs) but I really believe that it was mostly filmed in just real time. Like there's no there's no edits, there's no cuts. It is it's nothing, and and to kind of. Get to the the heart of of what I'm talking about. We mentioned with uh, Challenge of Faith, the opening scene is this really long, just Stephen Grew driving to the office scene that takes about 10 minutes. You're like, God, this is long and stupid, and why is this happening? And you have, you know, kind of a chuckle about it. Now, the artifact opens with a basically a stationary camera at a dining room table, and there's like, well, no, it opens with that prepping. Oh breakfast. god, yeah, the, like the breakfast gross prep. Yeah, fucking, there's that gross ham they're just like slamming into. Okay, like, yeah, so they're, they're cooking breakfast in real time. So they're they're burning potatoes and eggs, uh, and and they're, very terribly burned. They they were cooking throughout this entire like 10 minutes and in the opening shot the pan is fucking crusted it is to just shit black. burned potatoes horribly horribly like that was the first thing I was like good lord can we back this up but I mean limited potato budget obviously but and, and the best part was eggs and I was like oh my god those eggs <laughs> no it's great too because it's just like oh that's supposed to be hash browns the bottom of the of, of the pan is black just completely black <laughs> And then the rest of the the hash browns just look raw. Just, it's amazing. Which it, it, it's astounding that they go on to eat these potatoes. Yeah, in real time. So yes, they cook this disgusting food. Their friends come over, and then, and I'm not even fucking kidding. The first forty minutes of this film is just these, like five people, sitting around a dining room table talking about basically nothing and eating breakfast. This is like my dinner with Andre, but (laughs) made by someone who's been beaten over the head with a lead pipe for like 20 minutes straight. This movie, again, I said to you when I watched them, I watched them back to back and I said, if you were it not for the distinctive screen presence of Gru, I wouldn't. I could not have told you these were made by the same filmmaker because this movie doesn't have a script. There is nothing. There, there was nothing. no script. No, there's no, no script. This was shot in. This was shot in a day. Actually, it was probably shot in an afternoon. Because again, yeah, there's no script. There's no cuts. There, it's just a stationary camera on a tripod. Them eating breakfast, and then they're just talking about it. So I guarantee, whatever the script was. It was probably just some bullet points, like talk about these things and eventually get here, and that's it. And you've it got is, these fabulous it, actors. It's the worst fucking improv, like by people who cannot fucking improv at all. No, I love when there's like a later pumpkin carving scene, and they're like, "There's another of these like improv prompts that goes so fucking wrong. It's amazing to watch." Yeah, where he's like, "Isn't your brother back in town? What's his name?" And the guy's like, "Um." Tomer, <laughs> and the other guy's like, "Oh yeah, I remember Tomer. 
what's he doing these days? Good stuff. And, and they say what they're archaeologists, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something no. Something of that age. One one of them is an archaeologist, and the other one is. Oh God! What is he? I believe no. One of them is a doctor, and two of them are archaeologists. Yeah, two of them are one is one of them is an archaeology student. One of them is an actual archaeologist. Oh no, no, two. No, you're right. Two of them are archaeologists. One of them is a psychology student, and the other one is a doctor that that studies like evolution. I believe. And these are all I important points. A, I think he's an actual physician. Mm, okay. I, I think he's a physician, and they, he just believes in evolution, which is which necessary. Stephen Grew is not into. It's awesome because <laughs> the guy's like improving. He's like, "Yeah, I gave this speech on evolution at this conference," and Grew is just like, "Huh, evolution? Do I look like I came from a monkey?" It's like, "Yeah, you fucking ape-brained idiot! <laughs> look at what I'm watching. It's just you kind of do, yeah. I, but yeah, no." I and Tomer is not the actual name, but it is something equally fucking not a name that the guy just flubbed an improv on and yeah. they just tried to run with. But they they declare uh, they say he's an architect, and then one of the guys just forgets and and starts calling him an archaeologist, like every other fucking character in the movie is an archaeologist. So, uh, uh, so this movie. <laughs> This movie's a fucking disaster. <laughs> it man. is. It is beyond any. Like I, I can't even think of how bad a lot of these films are that we've watched that you've watched, dear listener. And just imagine the same amateurs that make these like you know carefully crafted things. Just imagine them going like, yeah, just do whatever. <laughs> like this is this is horrible. <laughs> it is the worst They're possible scenario. To- yeah, they're trying to appetize the shit out of this thing, and by God, does it not work? <laughs> well, and there's no Holy shit. not only is there no like script and stuff, but like we said too, there's no cuts, there's no camera movement, there's no nothing. It's just it it's creepy and weird. It looks like if you were in high school or something and you had to do like a video project, and you did this, you would definitely get an F. There's no, it's just horrible. It's horrible. Now. There is one gimmick that runs through the film, too, and I don't understand the purpose of this gimmick, other than it's, like, the only visual flourish that Steven Grew gives us. But it's, like, every once in a while, they pick up an actual video camera that they have, like, in the movie, and then it switches over to, like, found footage style, right? And, it, and the yeah. screen goes black and white and it just says, like, record in the bottom right side of the screen. But there's- And it goes black and white and then he makes a huge fucking point every time it happens to be like, oh, white balance, got to fix the white balance. Everything looks off color. It's like, yeah, it's in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. But why why is that in the movie? Because it doesn't add I anything. Know. It doesn't do anything. You would think that was, that was going to be... A device for the climax, but they just didn't bother to make the climax. No, there's no climax. There's no rising action. There's no falling action. There's nothing. This movie has nothing. The climax is is literally two minutes of the fucking movie. So there's (laughs) two minutes. There's okay. So this is Stephen Grew has a a YouTube page for his production company where he has these like two to three minute short films or whatever, and this feels like one of those 
just stretched beyond its breaking point into a feature length film. And people joke about this or they say it and or they're, you know, a little hyperbolic about it, but you know, and they're like, oh, you know, it feels a little long and it feels like a short film that was stretched too long. No, 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 no. You don't understand what that means until you watch the artifact. When we say there is nothing here, there is nothing. This is if you went to a restaurant and you ordered a steak and it was a bone wrapped in fat. There is nothing to chew on. There is absolutely nothing. It, they, well, they do that in the film, right? They they go to a restaurant. Oh, because that's all they do. Order a steak. So they eat breakfast, okay? For again, I I timed it, it from the it's like the 40 first thirty eight. <laughs> the first thirty eight minutes of this film involve prepping, eating, and putting away breakfast. Yeah, and then after that, they sit in like a, a living room, and also this house is fucking weird. There's just like. American girl dolls everywhere, and it's just, it's creepy. I don't like it. It's probably Stephen Grew's mom's house or something. It's not great. But then they, they sit they sit in this living room for 10 minutes, and they, they bullshit more, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then finally, the, the titular artifact is revealed. And that's about a two-minute scene where they unwrap this box, and they talk about the artifact, and yada, 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 Okay. So that's a thing. Which is, by the way, just some like fucking tiki prop. Oh, it's a it's, like, it's Marshalls or Dollar something. General, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they they get the tiki thing, and that's it. That's about two minutes of movie that actually matters. So let's say from the breakfast scene, that thirty eight minutes, there's two minutes to maybe establish that here are our characters, and then bullshit. There's the tiki scene, which is like ten minutes, and then they get the tiki figure. Or, sorry, the artifact. And that's another two minutes that actually matters. Uh, then they inexplicably go to a restaurant. There's no and reason. inexplicably edit the sound at that restaurant. Jesus fucking oh Christ. Oh, my God. All you hear is like, <laughs> I don't know where they are. They're like, yeah, let's shoot this at the play place at McDonald's. And there's just yeah, children they just put screaming. Yeah, the microphone directly in the tube slide. <laughs> it's, it's, like it's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like, yeah, let's, uh, let's mic up the ball pit right now. It's insane. You can't hear the characters at all. It's it is just grating. And there's again no reason to be there. And then they come home and there's more bullshit because they go, "Hey, uh what's another thing we can do where we set up a tripod and then just talk about nothing for 20 minutes?" "Oh, why don't we carve pumpkins?" So they do that. Again, no bearing on the plot. They're not talking about anything. They're just shooting the shit. And then you get this climax where in the, in the final, and I'm not exaggerating, like five minutes of this movie, the artifact cursed one of the women in the film, and she turns into this monster, which is, boy, that's great. It's some cheap Halloween makeup, some cheap contact lenses, and then during the whole, it's it's a real like American werewolf situation. <laughs> this extended transformation scene where they try to show that, like, her veins are popping out of her skin. So they just take, like, a red magic marker and just fucking draw lines on her. It is just, I, I, again, I, I can't even put into words how boring and pointless, it just fucking terrible this whole thing is. And then finally she, you know, kills everyone, and then she kills Gru last, and as soon as Gru drops dead, credits roll. But there is... No more than 
10 minutes of actual movie here in a in a 90 minute film and that 10 minutes still sucks and still should be trimmed down <laughs> and rewritten so that there's nothing there's nothing is there anything anything in this movie that isn't the worst thing i'm trying to figure it out. i i don't think there is uh you you give it too much credit to say that the last 5 minutes of the monster <laughs> shit it's it's not even it's not even five minutes. No, you're right. And they don't, like, what is the structure of a movie like this? Oh, she gets possessed and she's, it. what is it? Like, the fucking Evil Dead I'm watching here? But what if the Evil Dead was just a bunch of jerk-offs fucking yammering on for 95% of the movie? And then the Deadites showed up. It'd be like, what? But then they don't attempt to deal with the Deadites. There is no dealing with this possession. It's just like, she kills everyone. Oh, see you next time. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, it- even if even if you want a, a bleak ending where it's like, oh, they, they couldn't stop it. This possessed monster killed the protagonist. There's, there's got to be like... Uh, some struggle, some thought to be like, how do we escape this? How do we fight this? How do I get my wife back? No, 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 no. That doesn't happen. She literally in the last two minutes of the film becomes possessed and murders everyone. (laughs) And if you were to watch the trailer for this, which I did as well, because uh, believe it or not, I almost had this one on my list before Challenge of Faith, but I thought it, would be not as not as suitable because the trailer for this is basically that last two minutes of the film. Yeah. You know, if there's one thing you say about Stephen Grew, you can cut a compelling trailer. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is going to be in a, just a shitty monster movie. Well, this, this again, Challenge Your Faith looks like uh, this will be something special, something real goofy, I, and it is. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer. I have not seen the trailer for the artifact. Uh, I, I went off of the box art, which is just horrible. Terrible. Yeah, so I instantly, it was like instant ad. I, I don't need to see anything else. I know I know what this is. Right, yeah, from adding the, from the, the box art and the trailer were enough to make me go, I got to add something from this yeah. Steven Grew so, character. But- and then I saw he had a bunch of movies on there and kind of went digging and tried to pick the best one. Sure. I, I picked wrong if I was trying to win because Jesus Christ, yeah, this movie is well, it, a nightmare. It, it really speaks <laughs> to the fact that, like, the, you you know, based on the trailer, you're like, ooh, there's something going on here because there is a trailer's worth of actual film in the film itself. The trailer is just all of the real, like, actual movie parts of the movie. It's, yeah. it's nothing else. It's not even edited. I don't even think it's edited. Yeah. And again, Myros, because that, Myros. that climax is just like a quick succession oh, of sure. stupid shots yeah. in the dark, and I'm pretty sure that is exactly what the trailer is. So, Myros, is there anything yes. in this film that isn't the absolute worst? Uh, well, there was there was like one okay makeup effect. Really? <laughs> like when she was first getting possessed, and they used like the the like pulsing rubber bag under her face or no. Yeah. That was fine. It looked much better than everything else in the movie. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, um, anyways, but it, no, yeah. the answer is no, this, 
I don't think that this is number one for me, but just because there are things that are – there's like nothing especially offensive. <laughs> There'd have to be something in the movie uh, for it to be especially offensive, I guess. But there's and, – and that's not to say there isn't. There's a lot of like thudding lines because these guys are playing themselves and they're all kind of douches. <laughs> so there's some there's some thudding dialogue in the film, but nothing – Quite as abrasive as something like The Spy Who Boned Us. And even Da Pinci Code, I think those two would still trumpet for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <clears throat> but it is – this is the absence of film right here. <laughs> yeah. This is if this is – if you had to – I don't know. If, if you wanted to create like a canon of anti-cinema, this is a, a key piece of that. It's just – it's so weird. Yeah, it's Dogmay '95 <laughs> taken to its absolute limit. <laughs> so this this movie like shouted out two separate grew things in it that were weird because in the most again shitbag fucking non dialogue it's like so do you watch any movies on the plane? <laughs> yes, I watched She Hulk. <laughs> And the unexpected race, which are both uh, Stephen Grew things. So <laughs> that's fine. That that's that's what you're getting here. The the unexpected race is is quite a thing. That's what we're gonna have to get into, I think, as we discuss Grew a little more to wrap things up. Sure. Hey, my recording crashed. How about that? But we're we're back. Let's talk a little bit about this. Stephen Grew documentary that seems to have popped up and it's I don't know man serendipitous almost that we found this documentary in the midst of uh, doing a little Grew research of our own what what exactly is this documentary that's coming out uh this is it looks like a real movie <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by that but uh it's directed by someone named Scott Christofferson I'm not familiar with his body of work uh, but, you know, it looks like a, a decent sort of uh, indie doc with some production behind it. Uh, so it's about his journey in, in remaking this Unexpected Race movie, which I think we we got into a little before we had to cut off. So, yeah, he, he's making this Lord of the Rings thing. And uh, this kind of chronicles the making of that. Maybe it'll be in the vein of a American movie or something of that nature. Yeah. And I, I think this is the smarter way to tackle something like this when you're when you're talking about some weird like Gonzo filmmaker. Um, I, I, there's, I mean, there's the American movie model, and then there's the disaster artist model, which I'm not particularly interested in. Let us but, not speak of that movie. I, <laughs> yeah, I, there's just, you know, the thing that drove me nuts with the disaster artist is there's that part where they where they mention like Tommy Wiseau says that he shot like thousands of hours of footage of behind the scenes footage while they were filming. Like he was just like shooting the behind the scenes doc while they made the room. I would much rather see that footage. Like I'm, I'm interested in the real Tommy Wiseau and his process and I don't need James Franco doing a Tommy Wiseau impersonation. Uh, that's, it's just unnecessary, you know, but yeah. So hopefully this will let Steven grew shine. And then there's some involvement from Jack black. Well, Jack Black is uh, 
quote unquote starring in in this remake of so the unexpected okay. race. Okay, so wait a second. So this is like this documentary is one part American movie, but also one part like if if they did a making of documentary about the disaster artist, like it's a documentary that follows this guy, but also someone trying to remake or reimagine something he's done. Well, I don't think Jack Black is creatively involved in this film. I mean, he he probably has a larger role in the documentary, I would guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, the 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 unexpected race remake or whatever the hell grew would would describe it as uh, is I think he's calling it a remake because if you look at he he did try to crowdfund the thing. If you look at the info on that, he he says that although they did make it. X number of years ago, they didn't have uh, e- the equipment that he wanted at the time to realize his vision. So it, it seems has like- he ever had the equipment? Like what? <laughs> well, he seems to he seems to think he does now. <laughs> uh, he absolutely does not. <laughs> well, I don't know. The movies we watched aren't aren't fresh off the shelf. Maybe he somehow got a, his hands on a red cam or something. I don't. Oh lord. Know. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I think Jack Black, he's, if you watch like the trailer for this film, I think his involvement is under the auspice of being a a fan of Gru's work. I don't know how genuine that is, but I I Mm -hmm. would also, and again, I may be proven wrong, but uh, I I would imagine he probably shows up for five minutes (laughs) Yeah, and then immediately goes away. Uh, but I, I think he's probably going to be. He, he appears to be a featured talking head in the documentary, and and seems to, at the very least, whether it was beforehand or or kind of after he got the invitation to participate in this uh, exciting project, he seems mm-hmm. to have some level of, of familiarity with the output of Gru and some affinity for it. Uh, huh. Ironically or not, well, probably ironically. I mean, yeah, I would <laughs> let's imagine. Be real here. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, we had mentioned before when we were looking through Stephen Grew's IMDb that it's um it's crazy. I, I don't know if we were talking about this off mic or, or on the air, but he's got like a hundred and thirty or something projects listed and a, a good number of feature length films. But there's also this thing where he's just like posting his YouTube videos on IMDb or something. What what is going on with his IMDb page? Well, I don't – if you look at his bio, which is, of course, self-written, uh, I don't know. Maybe Jack Black wrote it. Who could say? But he he claims to have produced over over 205 films. That's that's an odd number to – if you were going to say 205, you, you would think that would just be the number. You could say over 200 yeah. films. <laughs> over 205 is odd phrasing, Mr. Grew. Um, yeah. So on his IMDb, there's nothing near that number listed. There, perhaps if you added up all of his credits, it would be somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 205. But that a lot of those credits are obviously redundant, as he is. Uh, he's not directing films he didn't write or produce. Generally, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Is he getting a lot of script submissions? I don't think so. Although. You would think from listening to the man talk that uh, that he's get he's turning them down left and right or something. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretty fancy lad. 
we we should talk uh so yeah i don't know what these credits are i think mm-hmm. i think it's got to be youtube related cuz he does have this uh utah wolf productions youtube channel which mm-hmm. is uh <laughs> which <great>. is referenced <laughs> in the artifact i should i should mention that he's got his uh his wolf shirt on with his <laughs> logo for uh, his, his own film production company. So that's a nice little nod. Well, yeah, and we had mentioned how they they were talking about the She-Hulk movie, which is not an actual movie. It's like an eight-minute YouTube video uh, on, mm. on the Wolf Productions. But, have you watched uh, that one yet? I, I have not. Eight minutes is a little too much. For- <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been cherry-picking ones that are like three minutes or less. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say... Uh, Considering our our journey with Gru here and the fact that I'd almost be hard-pressed to sell someone to fire up one of his movies because you don't know if you're going to get uh, Challenge of Faith or The Artifact. (laughs) And you don't fucking want to get The Artifact. That YouTube is probably a good place to start. And it's also incredibly depressing to look at his YouTube because it is uh, – you can tell it's like super try hard. He he's trying to play the algorithm. He he's playing the algorithm game with all this stuff. It's a lot of there's a lot of comic book content, a lot of Star Wars, Spider Man and Elsa, <laughs> and and a lot of his things are tagged in that stupid YouTube way where it's just like it's got like random adjectives after the video oh, title. Oh boy, yeah, like epic, funny. It's like uh, uh. so. And yet they all have like a hundred views. So it's, it's just, <laughs> he can't even he can't even get the algorithm down right. It's it's just depressing. But it is also a Sad. good jumping off point because a lot of this stuff is, uh, yeah, pretty great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like it. Jeez, who wouldn't want to uh, watch? Well, I'm gonna have to an eight minute She Hulk movie. I. It's right up my alley, man. That's about all the She-Hulk I can handle. So all the Stephen Grew I can handle. Uh, now the other thing that I noticed he did, I was looking through his his Amazon stuff, and on Amazon Prime, he has a uh, a short m- movie uh, that's that's really just a like a self help thing on how to be a better actor, and oh boy. I watched the first like 15 minutes of that one, and uh, if you're into the idea of Stephen Grew, uh, son of Stephen Grew as well, his child is in it. Stephen J. Uh, Grew. <laughs> Stephen J. Grew, little little Grewy Jr., and a lot of green screen and a lot of him just looking you directly in the eye and talking to you. It's it's pretty great, and I will say though, my favorite part is probably the background that he chose for this, which is. The like blue sky rolling green hills background that's like the default for Windows XP. So uh, it's <laughs> quite incredible. It's like some high level Tim and Eric shit he's got going on. That is a very Tim and Eric video. I, I watched the whole thing. I'm not sure why. The first 10 minutes are very amusing. And then after that, it, it just becomes monotonous and insufferable. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like. I should not be taking acting advice from this man. <laughs> no, I what <laughs> this again, he thinks he's he, he seems to have a very high opinion of himself. And it's amazing because not only does he have a high opinion of himself, but like he thinks that he has the capacity to give other people advice based solely on the fact that he's made a lot of shit. You know, like 
if I called myself a baker, but all I did was take a dump on a sheet pan and then stick it in the oven, like that that doesn't mean I'm I should be going on Food Network telling people how to do things. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, especially just the hubris in it. I mean, you could talk about that subject and as an independent filmmaker, but it's all like this big time bullshit. Like I see so many actors every day who are dog shit, and I don't have time for that as a big time director. It's like, what? Who the fuck are you kidding? Have you ever turned <laughs> down an actor? <laughs> Probably not. I I would imagine. <laughs> what are the lines yeah. out the door to fucking audition for the artifact? <laughs> well, listen, listen, Myro. Stephen King had on writing. Why can't Stephen Grew have on acting? He can. Just be honest, man. <laughs> That's why I, I feel like I feel like we're we're clowning on the guy. I must feel a little bad. Uh, obviously, he's he's trying hard with a lot of this stuff, and uh, and I did quite enjoy Challenge of Faith for what it is. There's there's a kernel of something about Gru, but I I don't feel too bad about uh, I I feel like he's he's in for either. Uh, a rise to Wizzo level fame, which I don't really want to see, or he's in for a, a humbling time because he he obviously had ambition with this um, unexpected race movie. He thought that you know getting fucking Jack Black in his movie was gonna like all these. He has two separate crowdfunding campaigns for the thing, and. Uh, one of them, his Indiegogo made $205 out of a $5,000 goal. <laughs> With Jack Black's name attached to it? Yes. Why didn't he just have Jack Black, like, tweet about it or something? I don't know. Maybe Jack Black declined. Uh, oh, and Lord. his GoFundMe uh, raised $935 out of a $5,000 goal. And the spouse reason for these existing is that he was he thought this movie could have a festival run he he thought this was going to be something that he could get into sundance oh boy he he wanted to get into sundance with the unexpected race wow and i mean so you you feel like this documentary could either make him a cult figure or it could make him a laughing stock probably mm -hmm. a little of both but you know, it feels like stuff like the YouTube, which he's obviously, again, trying to game an algorithm and just getting punched in the face over and over again. I I don't I don't want to punch down on a guy like this. You know, he's he's doing his best. But I I also feel like I I couldn't punch Stephen Grew down if I wanted to. I couldn't knock him out. He's he, he's got such a high opinion of himself. He seems to he, he's not lacking in self-confidence. No, I don't think That's the world's going to be denominator with a lot of these guys. No, Gru is invincible. He's <laughs> nonstop Gru. Oh man, yeah. I, I think ultimately we're we're going to have to revisit the world of Stephen Gru. Uh, not on caustic content, but maybe on another uh, Opvac cast or or one of the other Optimism Vaccine Network shows. We're going to have to dig into this guy's work a little bit more. But overall, I would say, even though this is kind of like a special episode, and and we're not doing our usual head-to-head -head competition. Stephen Grew is someone that you should look into. If you're into weird shit, if you're into bad movies, Stephen Grew should be very, very high on your list of filmmakers to check out.
Right there along the, the Tommy Wiseaus and the Neil Breens and the John DeHarts and the Godfrey Hoes. This is a guy who makes some weird outsider art that needs to be experienced. So Yeah, I just kind of wish Definitely something worth checking out. I just wish he'd slow down a little. You know, Breen is... He'll put out a movie every two or three years. And it's obviously like the culmination of all the swirling madness in his head. And, and Gru seems sure. to just be like, I got to make a movie every two days. It's like, no, you don't, man. <laughs> Let that madness yeah. swirl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm comfortable announcing right now that I, I want to do an OpVac cast when this insufferable Gru drops. If we can get our hands on uh, the new version of Unexpected Race, because the older version and the, the short film sequels, I think, I think they're all on Prime. So as long mm-hmm. as we can get our hands on the new one, uh, the documentary, I, I believe, is is coming to uh, uh, Blu-ray in January. So all right, we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, leverage our our fame to get ourselves some screeners. I think that's the only way to do it. Well, I. I put and by, it and by right fame, now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can ask them, and if they say no, we'll just have uh, Sean or Jake use their Rotten Tomatoes press credential, whatever the fuck they have, wave their magic wands, and get us what we need. Yeah, I I will also uh, make a vow to our audience that we're we're going to endeavor to uh, try and get an interview with either Gru or Scott Christopherson, uh, director of that documentary. I, I'm sure they'll be out doing a little publicity for this. Uh, new doc and i would mm-hmm. uh, be very interested in talking to either of them yeah should definitely reach out and uh yeah see if we can get a hold of them all right maros uh i think that, that pretty much does it for the steven grew special edition caustic content episode uh quick rundown where can people find adam Myros on the internet they can't they can't find him but you can find optimism vaccine you can tweet at us at optimism vaccine if you have any Questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you could send those to optimismvaccine at gmail.com. If there's something you would like to see on this show in particular, please go ahead. Make sure as well that you are subscribed to the Optimism Vaccine um, podcast on iTunes. And there's a link in the description of this episode that you're listening to. That'll take you to our podcast page. You could subscribe there. But what you really need to do is you need to leave a five-star review and a, and, a, and a little written part, too. You need the five stars, and you got to write a line. All you got to do is say, yeah, these guys are fucking cool or whatever. Because when you do the written reviews and you give us the five stars, that makes us more visible to people, easier for people to find us, more stuff we can do, uh, you know, raises our profile. And one day, hopefully, we, too, could be as famous as Stephen Grew since we've reached about the same level of success. Uh, if you want to tweet at me as well, you can tweet at me at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C-U-F-F. And I would say that about does it. Wait. Oh. We got to set our matchup for the next episode. Oh, that's right. I forgot because, you know, this was such an unorthodox episode full of technical difficulties and sadness and a strange format. Yeah, we do need to figure out what we're doing next episode. So what are we doing, Myros? Uh, I'll go first. I, I, I've been on a bit of a, a slide lately. Uh, this episode may not have yeah. counted in the, in the tally, but I still got, you I still got roundly destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with uh, the tried and true method of things. Nothing happening in a single room, and and bring out a uh, what I believe to be a Sasquatch film called Mountain Devil. Ooh, Mountain Devil. 
So should I should I go horror for this one too? Well, we'll leave that up to you. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, it it seems like if you're going horror, it makes sense for me to go horror. So, um, I don't. This is a tough one. You know, I've got a, uh, a one that's kind of like a combination, like vampire meets Sven type of thing. Um, but I think what I'm going to go with is a little something called Evan Straw. Evan Straw. That's E V A N Straw on Amazon, which I know is a horror film for some reason, even though it's called Evan Straw. It sounds like some like bluegrass band. It sounds like and, it could be like a scarecrow movie or something. Yeah, maybe it's a scarecrow movie. And the reason I'm choosing Evan Straw is because when I saw the trailer, I distinctly remember just being like, "Holy shit, this might be the worst trailer that I've watched." And the fact that I remember that, and we made these lists months ago, that's that's really saying something. So, yeah, Evan Straw, it is. Evan Straw versus Mountain Devil. Uh, both of these films can be found on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to play along. God help your soul. Yeah, God help you. <laughs> All right, Myros, anything else you want to share with the audience before uh, we uh, sign off here? I think we're good to go. All right. See you next episode. <laughs>